0: Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton, and today we're going to be talking some 40-man roster decisions because there is a lot to decide for the Marlins front office, a uh, Mike Hillis front office that will likely be operating quite similar, but they will definitely have a lot of tough decisions to make, so I'm going to Get into that a little bit, especially after this year where the Marlins had to add so many different players to their 40-man, some very temporary that we aren't surprised to see like go by the end of the season or some that we know won't be there. But overall, some tough decisions to be made and some pleasant surprises that I think belong on the Marlins team next year as well. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and it'll kind of segue into some guys that I think are most likely to be moved. This doesn't mean I think they will be moved, but I think some of these guys, at least one or two of them, will be moved. Because with the 40-man roster, the Marlins have some guys that they're going to have to add from the minor leagues, which I will also get into, and they don't have enough spots. They're already over 40 without the Rule 5 potential protections that they have to make. So, They're going to have to find ways to create this space. There are some players that are too valuable to just release. So I think that's where we're going to see the trade come into the equation or multiple trades come into the equation with the Marlins. So that will be something that will be fun to talk about in the latter half. And one of the things, too, is I don't have time to go through every single player. I'm not going to name all 40. I think that would get monotonous for you. So outside of the very obvious players that we know will be a part of the team next year and also will not be dealt... You know, like the Sandy Alcantras, the Pablo Lopez, the Sixto Sánchezs. those guys, they're not going to get dealt and they're going to be a part of the team next year. So I'll spare that area of things. But overall, when you look at the pitchers, there's at least 26 of them that you could make the case for that are going to be on the 40 man roster going into the next year and they're going to have to make some decisions with some of them. When you look at outside of the obvious and the solid prospects that made their debuts, you know, of course you got Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Xixos Sanchez. Those guys, like I said, are in there. Jose Urania is going to be in there unless they trade him. That's another candidate that I think really needs to go this offseason to open up a spot because – There's no reason to use a 40-man roster spot on Jose Urania when you can just have Nick Neidert or Eliezer Hernandez, potentially Edward Cabrera, any of those guys taking those innings that are going to be just as good, in my opinion, at this point with Jose Urania's career and his durability issues. He's never pitched more than 180 innings, so he doesn't really offer anything special for the Marlins other than experience, but he doesn't pitch like an experienced pitcher. Even though he's showed some flashes of some improvement with the better command of his sinker, I think that at this point, it just makes sense for the Marlins to move on, and it would open up a couple million dollars for them as well. So with the bullpen too, when you look at the bullpen, you know that Yemi Garcia, Blyer, James Hoyt belongs on this team next year with what he was able to do. I would say Tarpley's going to be there. You're going to know that Stanek... Ah, that's going to be where things are tough. I'll go. I'll circle back to Stanick The Marlins. I fully expect to pick up the option on Kinsler. Then Vessi is not going anywhere. I don't think that Brigham's going anywhere. But the bullpen's a lot more fluid, where you could see some decisions being made. I mean, if the Marlins traded Nick, Nick Wittgren out of the blue, you never know what they can do with some of these guys. And I know that there's going to be some surprises. I would say we should expect. This wouldn't be a surprise, but Josh A. Smith, I don't know if you use a spot on him. He kind of hit the wall at the end of the year there. Uh, I think Duggar, there's a chance that we might see Duggar get traded, a change of scenery type of thing. I don't think there's much value to him, but I I just don't know. If you're on a roster crunch for a 40-man spot, that's one of the guys you maybe end up moving on from Ryan Stanick, He might just need to change of scenery, but do you want to sell low on a guy that has pretty good stuff, showed some good flashes in Tampa? But I think that in Tampa, he was kind of catching some lightning in a bottle there. I don't know how good Stanek really is. And the Marlins could ultimately, if he continues to struggle at the rate that he's been struggling, you're going to release him or designate him for assignment a few months into the season next year anyway. So when you think about that, you might have to start considering letting him go before the season starts because you're going to have a short leash on him if he does struggle going into the year. You're not going to continue to roll him out there and have him struggle out of the bullpen. Nick Vincent. I don't know if the Marlins are going to bring Vincent back. I would expect probably not. Jordan Holloway. What are they going to do with Holloway? I'm not super high on on Jordan Holloway. The fastball, yeah, he can run it up to triple digits out of the bullpen, but it's flat. He's got one really off-speed pitch or or secondary pitch, and it's a slider, which flashes plus, but he doesn't know where it's going. And from what I've heard uh, from those that have seen him extensively, it's just too inconsistent right now. And I I, I think that he could benefit from the minor leagues, so I don't think that the Marlins should move on from Holloway at at all, but they're going to have to protect him, obviously, as he's already came up to the big leagues. You don't want him to be a real five guy, so he's going to be in the minor leagues. He's going to be on the 40-man roster, and he's going to need to get some more innings under his belt. I think that ultimately, when you look at the position players too, there's the locks and the guys that you know aren't going anywhere. But then there's some players that I think the Marlins are going to have to consider moving. And and that includes, you know, Matt Joyce is going to be off the roster, but that includes Isan Diaz. I think Diaz might be a potential trade candidate it's just it's frustrating to sell low on a guy that hit 180 now combined through the last 220 at-bats that he's had in the major leagues or the only 220 at-bats he's had in the major leagues. You figure that a team would still value him value him, excuse me, somewhat highly given what he did in the minor leagues and what what precedes him in just his advanced approach. I think that at the end of the day, you know that you're going to get a guy that can at least hit relatively decently and give you a 750 OPS with some decent defense with the potential for more and I think that's the thing a team will take a chance on him and he could be part of a package that could get you something good and the Marlins I think need to start trading quantity for quality because they have a lot of quantity of some decent role players or some decent young players and there's teams that'll make moves to probably get a handful of those guys another pitcher too that obviously belongs on the 40-man is Daniel Castano. He earned a spot on this 40-man roster and looked really good when he was called upon, but the Marlins don't necessarily need him. Could you sell high on Castano, who flashed some solid starting outings in this past season and who had a good minor league career and parlayed that into a pretty good stint in the bigs When called upon this year, maybe the Marlins can add him into a package and sell high on him. That's another spot where they could open things up, too. But when you look at the bats, I would say most likely to get moved, you got to figure Harold Ramirez potentially coming off an injury. It's a little bit of a weird spot. They just picked up Starling Marte's option. I think that... Marte is clearly the guy that they wanted to pay. So when you look at free agency this year, that was kind of their free agency pickup, knowing that they were going to pick up a $12.5 million option on him. So they're going to go do that, which they just did. Not saying that that means they're not going to do anything else, but it does mean that that's probably what they thought of as kind of their premature spending on somebody. But you figure if they're going to go look for maybe a middle to front end arm, or I think that's what makes the most sense, or a very high leverage, legitimate, proven bullpen arm. you got to look at a package of something along the lines of Jesus Sanchez, who I think, I like Jesus, but he's got some volatility there. The Marlins already have several volatile prospects. Jesus' value is still higher, I would say, than Monte Harrison because he hasn't struggled as much. It was a shorter stint, and he has... That raw bat speed that I think teams really like from the left side of the plate, not quite as much strikeout concern, though he did strike out a lot in his big leagues stint in the minor leagues. It wasn't as much of a strikeout issue for Jesus. I still think the value's there. Not a bad time to consider trading Magnara Sierra as well. Sierra looked really good this season at times and was hitting the ball with more authority than he ever had, was much more confident out there, and I think a team would definitely take a chance on Magnaris here, It's not even taking a chance. He's such a safe fourth outfielder and a guy that if you really have to, you can plug him in there every day and you know that he's going to give you value defensively. He's going to wreak havoc on the base paths. He's a good situational hitter. And I, I think that after what we saw from him, this is a guy that you'll, you're not going to give up a ton for him. But if the Marlins were able to get Diolo Burgos, for Austin Dean, you figure, again, Magnare sierra could be a good complement to a package for a team that could use some outfield help. The Marlins can put something together here. And I think that you look at some of the outfield prospects, that's where things get interesting too because the Marlins in general prospect-wise are going to have to add a few guys to that 40-man roster. There's quite a few, though, that will not get added and are going to be eligible for the Rule 5 draft. So I'll go through all of them real quick and I'll tell you who I specifically think will get that protection. Lazaro Alonzo, Jose Devers, Joe Dunant, Gerard Encarnacion, Stone Garrett, Dylan Lee, Riley Mahan, Brian Miller, Josh Roberson, Demetrius Sims, Tyler Stevens, and Will Stewart. The obvious ones, Jose Devers is going to get protected, Gerard Encarnacion is going to get protected, I would say Brian Miller has a good shot at being protected, but Devers, Gerard Encarnacion locks, right? Stone Garrett, I think it would be crazy for the Marlins not to protect Stone Garrett. I I think we really overlook, I've talked about him in the past, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar or anything, but he, he had a pretty solid year last year and things came together for him a little bit more than they had in the past, cut down on the strikeout rate, was hitting with some more consistency, had a really good stretch last year at points in AA, he's a great athlete gold glove caliber outfielder that had some incredible catches just a human highlight reel and if he can somewhat put it together at the plate he could be a solid fourth outfielder that offers some power and another guy that's not absolutely worthless you throw him into a trade package as well it sweetens the deal Josh Roberson there's no way that he shouldn't be protected after what he did last year I've gotten a chance to talk to some of the players that faced him in A-ball, and they said, they they were like, who is this guy? They looked him up after the game because they didn't even know who he was, and he was just that nasty that he was the one that kind of stuck with everybody when they faced him. In A-ball, he's got the stuff to be a pretty good reliever in the back end, high-velocity fastball and nasty breaking ball, and he's got good command. A guy that I think we'll start to hear more about is we have an actual minor league season. Demetrius Sims is a good athlete and has a chance to be a solid middle infielder in the long term, but just has not been able to get it going with the bat. Brian Miller, very much a fourth outfielder profile at best. He's going to be a Magnara Sierra type of guy if you really everything works out right. I can't believe that the Marlins used such a high pick on him back in the day with also getting Joe Denon to Arod's nephew, right? But he's not. A-Rod or anything close to that. I don't think that Dunnan's going to be protected. He he really has not been good. He's been disappointing. And to me, he doesn't seem like a guy that's really ever going to make it to the show. I don't even know if he can really hit consistently at the AA level to stay around. I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to be selected in the Rule 5 even at all. The Marlins already didn't protect Will Stewart last year in the Rule 5 draft and nobody took him, so I would be shocked to see them protect him here. So I would say just to keep it safe, Jose Devers, Gerard Encarnacion, Stone Garrett, Josh Roberson, and Brian Miller, who is a stretch there. I would say just for sure thing, they use four spots with Devers, Encarnacion, Garrett, and Roberson to protect. That's four more spots on the 40-man roster, which I already have based on what I have drawn out here. 26 pitchers, with the asterisk next to Nick Vincent and Brandon Kinsler, let's say 25 pitchers, and then 17 position players. That already puts you at 42. Then the four prospects puts you at 46. So you figure the Marlins are going to have to make some moves, and Urania would open up one spot potentially. You look at maybe Stanek. That opens up spot number two. You look at another player that easily could be on the move is Maybe a Trevor Rogers with that's another guy that you could start a package with that could be a pretty good starter to a trade. I saw some ideas being floated out of you know a three-player trade where you go Esan, Rogers, and a filler like a Magnara Sierra or somebody else, and you could probably go get something pretty valuable. I floated the idea of trading Eliezer Hernandez. If you trade Hernandez along with Rogers to somebody that could use some pitching – you could get a legitimate player in return. I think the Marlins could find a trade partner there. I think of the Red Sox. I don't know exactly what the Marlins would want from the Red Sox. Maybe a Christian Vasquez, though. When you look at the Red Sox, they would love a Trevor Rodgers and Eliezer Hernandez. Eliezer Hernandez would plug into their rotation immediately, as would Trevor Rogers. They would help them immensely. And you start looking at players from the Red Sox that the Marlins could potentially fit in there. I love Vasquez. I've talked about him in the past as a catcher potentially for the Marlins. And you think about if the Marlins go get a catcher, it's probably time that they move on from Jorge Alfaro. So if they go trade some guys off the 40-man roster, let's say they do a two-for-one to the Sox to get Vasquez, then that opens up one spot on the 40-man roster. But then you trade Jorge Alfaro for a couple prospects or whatever you get in return for him for some lower-level guys. Now you open up two spots on that 40-man. Then you're just going to have to find some other ways to open it up, and I think that would come along the way of Yamamoto, who I think could easily be designated and let go. Duggar, Jorge Guzman, any of those guys I think are somewhat expendable. Johan Quesada, those are all the spots where I think the Marlins are going to have to find a way to open up spots in that 40-man, those are the guys that are going to go first. Those bullpen arms. Josh A. Smith, Jordan Yamamoto, Duggar, Kazeda, any of those guys I would expect to go, Stanek even, and that's where you're going to open up those spots. But I think on top of that, it's going to take at least one trade, and that would be where you see some of the higher-profile guys, quote-unquote, go, and that would be the one of Trevor Rogers or maybe one of, you look at, Jesus or Harold Ramirez or Magneris. Those are the guys that potentially could go because undoubtedly the Marlins are going to have to protect Jose Devers, they're going to have to protect Gerard Carnacion, and they're going to have to protect Stone Garrett and Roberson. And that's where I would think Dan Castano, too, is, is a potential option to shop around. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, 18 delicious flavors, under 200 calories, under 6 grams of fat, under 6 grams of net carbs – they're easy to chew, covered in chocolate. And when you go to builtbar.com right now and use the promo code locked on, you get 20% off your next order and a free cooler while supplies last. That's builtbar.com, promo code locked on for 20% off your next order and a free cooler while supplies last. So just wrapping up the 40 man stuff because it's a little bit of an all over the place type of thing because there's so many different directions that Marlins can go. But I think there's no doubt that you got to move on from Urania at this point. If money is tight, which it seemingly is for every team in baseball to an extent, then letting a guy like Urania go makes sense because that's essentially going to pay for Brandon Kinsler's option. And you've got to pick up Brandon Kinsler's option. It's $4 million. He was valuable this year. He's a veteran. It's good for the clubhouse, good for the younger arms to just have somebody like that around. I loved his attitude this year. And as we know, a major character development for me has been – My roller coaster ride of emotions towards Brandon Kinsler, but regardless, he pitched towards, uh, or he pitched to a level where it's hard not to justify picking up that option. And of course, worth noting too that Drew Steckenrider elected for free agency. That clears up about $800,000 to a million dollars roughly. And that was surprising to see Steckenrider elect for free agency, but I think he didn't really see a path with this team that is now so loaded with young arms that they're going to want to try instead of him. I don't know if he loved being optioned. He's already 30 years old. And remember when he was on that like 22 consecutive inning scoreless streak and we're talking about the Marlins trading him for something incredibly valuable and then all of a sudden now he gets designated at NLX for free agency. Vasquez is like a $4 million roughly a year guy. That, as I'm talking about this too, is a team that would take Jose Urania is probably the Red Sox. They just took Nick Pivetta, who is younger than Urania, but put up worse numbers. And why not take a flyer on Urania when you could package him in, if you're the Marlins, with an Eliezer or with maybe someone not quite as valuable to go after a guy like Vasquez and maybe a prospect or two, like a lower-level flyer or something along those lines. Because you know the Red Sox... They don't care too much about having a great system. Like They will give up a lottery ticket for a guy that will help their team even if it's marginally now because teams like the Red Sox and their fans do not do well with not competing and being bad, and they were really bad this year. So you you trade Alfaro, you trade Urania, that opens up about $6 million. You bring in Vasquez, that adds another $4 or so back into the equation. But if you're the Marlins... You got to realize that Corey Dickerson's going to be off the books after next year. That's nine and a half million gone. But guys like Garrett Cooper, Brian Anderson, and even Yimmy Garcia, those guys are going to be arbitration eligible, and they're going to get some pay raises through arbitration. What are those going to look like? I don't know because of this whole crazy COVID-19 situation. But there's no doubt that Garrett Cooper is going to see a pay raise. There's no doubt that Brian Anderson, if he doesn't get an extension, still going to see an arbitration pay raise. But then after this year, you, know, you got $13 million off the books with Kinsler going, uh, probably not going to be pitching after next year if the Marlins pick up his option. Nine and a half Dickerson's way, that'll be gone. And the thing too with Dickerson is I think you can make the case for him to not be on the team next year. I, I love what he was able to do at times you know, And I love that he came up big in that Cubs series. But then he seemingly didn't have another hit the entire postseason. There's a lot of holes in his game. He's not great defensively. He struggles against some lefties. He just tends to try way too hard not to strike out sometimes. And I love that he's willing to tinker at the plate and be different. But sometimes it's like, okay, you're choking up a foot. And you're just instead just hitting a little ground ball at a second base. Like at that point, I'd rather you just take your hacks. And I do love that somebody is willing to shorten up in today's game and avoid striking out. But he still strikes out a decent amount. He can't catch up to the high pitch that well. Like I said, there's just so many holes in his game. And if he's not quite hitting the way that the Marlins had hoped, you know, he doesn't have much value. That's the thing. He doesn't have much trade value. But if you could get someone to, to absorb that contract in this offseason, I would rather have the $9.5 in my pocket and say, okay, how about we see where else we can spend this and, and go from there. I know free agency is going to be weird this year, but if you could get a mulligan and say, would you rather have Corey Dickerson or would you rather have $9.5 million to spend? I would definitely take the latter. And I'm not saying this is likely, but this is just something I think about because Corey Dickerson roughly represents a quarter of the Marlins payroll next year. And I think the difference between Dickerson and Marte is pretty big when you consider defense, base running, and just sheer consistency when it comes to production. And they're the same age... And they're not that far apart salary wise, right? Marte makes three million more. I just don't know if I can justify paying Dickerson nine and a half million dollars next year when nobody else is making near that. The next highest is Miguel Rojas at five, who was basically the team's MVP this year, and Jesus Aguilar probably right around there at five two, depending on what they agree on salary wise. I think that money, roughly almost ten million dollars could be spent much more effectively for a team that has so much young talent and that doesn't have as much money to just blow, I would be looking elsewhere. And maybe that's a potential way the Marlins open up a 40-man spot is trading somebody like Dickerson. Like I said, his value's not there, but if you take somebody to take that nine and a half million and you get something back for him, it's worth thinking about and it's worth exploring. There's crazier things that have happened. And with the Marlins' legitimate just cluster of outfield prospects you can make the case for several guys potentially being ready next year there's a shot that you don't want to block them yeah yeah the marlins it would be nice to have that veteran presence with the fish but now that you picked up martes option now that you have rojas now that you have aguilar that might be enough and you also have brian anderson you have veterans you can go out and trade for a veteran catcher like salvi perez or vasquez you don't need that Dickerson presence as much. I'd rather go for somebody with a higher ceiling and that isn't as expensive and reinvest that money. So it's just food for thought, but that just kind of goes back into the million different ways the Marlins can go with their 40-man roster. There's so many different players, I think, that because of this organizational depth and the amount of talent they have at so many different positions, it makes it pretty possible to trade almost anybody that isn't one of the obvious untradable guys. And that's where this offseason could be very interesting. So what is a tough situation when it comes to the 40-man roster is at the same time kind of made easier with the fact that the Marlins can afford to trade from their depth at a a few different spots. And they can kind of survive even trading a Dickerson or even trading an Eliezer Hernandez or a Jose Urania or a Harold Ramirez, or an Isan Diaz because of Jess Chisholm. Like they can handle trading some of those guys. It's just which area are you most comfortable with giving up a little bit of that major league talent or a little bit of that depth, and that's where the Marlins are going to have to figure that out. And I think a lot of that's going to be considered when you think about where the Marlins feel confidence-wise with some of their prospects at certain positions and whether that they can have an impact next year. So a lot of decisions to make, but I think that the Marlins – Or in a position where they have the liberty to make a bunch of different types of decisions because of the fact that they have so much depth at so many different spots. So the 40-man roster thing is going to be a fluid situation. Not the last I'm going to talk about it. This is more of just a glance over because I wanted to just... Start the dialogue because there's going to be an ongoing conversation when it comes to this stuff on the podcast throughout the offseason, especially as the Marlins start to make more decisions and as things start to heat up a little bit. So this is just to get started. If you have any questions on the 40-man or some decisions that the Marlins should make or think they should make, fire them at me. I'll be sure to mention them on the next podcast or answer them or, or make sure that it becomes a topic of discussion on the next show. By the way, I had Jesus Lazardo on the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast that I also host, and he was a lot of fun. A local kid, of course. Would love to have him on the Marlins. He is a special pitcher, a really fun interview. So if you're interested in listening to that, he went to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. He was committed to the University of Miami before he was drafted out of high school. And just a cool story, a really cool dude, and a great player. And I'm going to be doing some more player interviews on that podcast as well. Maybe some Marlins prospects coming up soon, but always some fun players on that. And Mike Fires will be an interview. I'm doing another local guy that will be coming up on that podcast as well. So definitely check those out if you're interested in any baseball talk outside the Marlins. I hope you enjoyed this little just glance over the 40-man roster. We're just dipping our toes in because it's going to be a lot to dive into in a very deep pool to swim in when we start really getting into the nitty-gritty of this 40-man roster and all the decisions that they have to make going into next year. But the Marlins are in a better position than they've been in in a long time. Thank you for listening as always, and I look forward to talking Marlins baseball with you tomorrow.